We have our first sponsor. If you guys have been watching our Instagram account, you've probably seen it. One of the coolest things that Precision Camera offers is what's called a virtual showroom. What you can do is log into their website at precision-camera.com. And right on the first page there, you'll see a link to the virtual showroom. You can go in there and schedule an appointment. And what you'll do is a video conference with a salesperson on the floor. And these people deal with all levels, all camera brands, all the time. And you're going to be able to tell them your level of experience or the person that you're buying for. And you'll be able to tell them your budget. And based off of that, you'll be able to narrow in on what is the best camera for what you have going on. If you don't have time for a video chat, there is also a text chat option. If you have a quick question about a product, you can type in your question and somebody will get back to you very quickly. If you decide to do that and you decide to buy a camera, we got a good deal for you. With their sponsorship of the show, they've also given us a coupon code. If you go in, set up your account, create your purchase, get to the checkout screen, you'll get a little field on the checkout sheet that asks for a coupon code. And what you want to put in is wild and exposed. And what that gets you is $50 off of a $500 or more dollar purchase. We're super excited to have Precision Camera as a sponsor. Now on with the show. Welcome to Wild and Exposed. Your number one adventure, nature, and outdoor photography podcast. Wild and Exposed is hosted by Mike Morrow, Ron Hayes, Jason Loftus, and Mark Raycroft. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to another episode of Wild and Exposed. This week's show features Michael Morrow coming to us from Colorado, Rocky Mountain country, and Jason Loftus from beautiful Utah, and myself, Mark Raycroft, from cold Ontario, Canada. How are you guys doing? Well, it's cold Colorado, too, but probably not as oh. cold as you are. You're, you're going to catch me here. Yeah, it's it. this winter has been crazy warm. We're Canada, a.k.a. North Carolina this year. <laughs> We haven't you guys have any snow? Once. Yeah, exactly. We, we've got maybe an inch and a half of snow just covering the ground. Right it's now, small. but has it snowed a lot or is it just an infrequent kind of thing? No, it has been, we, like I said, we haven't plowed the driveway once this year. And we have a cold snap coming for about six days. And it's still only really not nearly as cold as it normally gets for for a cold snap. So again, we're going to jump between the Celsius and Fahrenheit, but we're looking at lows of minus 15 at night, whereas minus 30 would be cold at night. And it's been above freezing. So no matter whether it's Celsius or Fahrenheit or above freezing throughout this whole month, pretty well, daytime highs. So, and after this cold snap of the next five or six days, it's going above freezing every day again. So seriously. So you've been out doing a lot of this uh, antler falling off, trying to capture that behavior. Do you think that this temperature affects any of that, or do you not notice a difference? It can a little bit, but I really don't want to talk about that today. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't want to talk about that subject, because as much fun as I had recording the last podcast, the day that I didn't go looking for a certain buck, the next day... I went out and he's baldy. Uh, it's like, oh, oh. So I got uh, some video of the of the pedestals, the exposed pedestals, and him shivering. It's interesting, you know, when they drop their antlers with that disc space open, you know, inch and a half, two on a big guy maybe, 
until that seals up, that's got to lose a lot of heat. And I've seen that with bucks where they, for a day or two, it's like, you're okay, right, buddy? They're like kind of shivering, but then it's fine. Things seal. And I have seen bucks still carrying antlers, but yeah, that happened the other day. But with with one of the ones, it, I looked, only two or three in this one area where I've been going that I've been trying to time. Um, weather or cold temperatures can stress an animal enough that if it's so... If if it's many days of super frigid weather or temperature, sorry, I think it can speed it up a little bit, but it's mostly age, uh, health, physical condition, and testosterone levels, which, as we covered a bit in the, in the last podcast, they drop more mature animals, breed more in the fall, exert more energy, so their testosterone levels drop faster. I do, here's an interesting spin. Uh, from a biologist scientific perspective, all the years I've been photographing in different areas, and as all nature photographers know, I mean, we have places we go to. Some are national parks, some are public access, some are private. And there's situations where we, we do a lot of research and we find places where, you know, for whitetails, now it's a lot around cities and stuff too, right? They're urban areas where they become populated and they get some tolerance of people. They see people. They don't necessarily like people walking their dogs, but they see people. So it gives us the opportunity to get closer, to get images. And that also allows me to get to know deer year to year in places. So I keep a record of when they drop their antlers for the ones that survive from one year to the next, anything can happen. They get hit by a car, they get eaten by a coyote or a wolf, they break a leg, they get jabbed by another animal in the rut by an antler, they die. But if they survive, if I'm lucky enough to be in the field and see the day they die, obviously, or not die, <laughs> their <laughs> antlers die off, their <laughs> antlers fall off. Um, and I can tell because from one day to the next, they're gone, or it might be you know, over two or three days, they're gone. Most shed within the 24 hours, but some can hold a second antler for a few days. But I keep a record. And the buck that shed the day we were doing the pod, last podcast, I've been able to write him down uh, for the last five years. And I didn't even look at these dates when oh. we did the podcast. Out of the oh, five years. I'm guessing what you're going to say. Go for it. He <laughs> has dropped his antlers on three of the five years, that exact day. Really? And two, two of the years, it was a week later. So it was January 16th, three times, and January 24th, twice. Wow. So, and I've, so I, but this is just one buck. After filming whitetails passionately for 25 years, I have quite a collection of information. And I, it's astonishing how many drop. I'd say half the time they of all my records, 50% of them are the exact day they drop wow. year to year. That's so amazing. That's, I've never heard that before. And that you have the perfect study going on to figure that out. Well, I've spent a lot of time with deer. They've been my number one since I was a kid, right? And, right. And accessibility where I live in Ontario, we have moose here, but white-tailed deer have small home ranges. Moose do seasonally, but they can shift. They can go on a walkabout. Deer don't tend to do that once they're mature. Right. So a yearling buck, I immerse myself in white-tailed deer biology, studying them. A yearling buck will disperse most often from its matriarchal home range to establish another place to disperse a gene pool. It might be a mile away. It might be five miles away. Not a huge distance, but out of sight. 
gone. And you know, they might cruise through in the rut, but they move off. But once they settle in that place, without some kind of disturbance, you know, like the land gets developed or too much pressure from something or other, they tend to hang out there because they find a place that has the resources. They've got a, um, a, a safe area for day bed. They've got a water source. They've got food source. And they adopt a lifestyle in that place. So you can kind of get dialed in on them. And it's not a guarantee. They're wild animals. You may not see, even in, in an area like this and some of the places I go to, um, you may not see an animal for a week. But he's in there, right? They're, I mean, they disappear. They're bedded behind a tree. You, you can end up going past them at 40 yards and not knowing. Coming back 15 minutes later and there he's standing in the same, you know, it's a pretty cool thing about wildlife photography behavior that way. But you can study them in that in that respect and collect some of that. So years ago, I just was started writing things down like that. So I, I just, I didn't expect that to be the result, no. but I should not have been podcasting on January 16th. So Jason, you take care of the calendar for Wild and Exposed. Can you just mark out January 16th for, for the next five years so that we don't mess up Mark's schedule? Absolutely. Yes, it's done. <laughs> and then secondly, you are the mule deer nut. So can you start this study with mule deer so that we can have I've been a little knowledge on, on that? So been working on it. Actually, there's a lot of... There's a lot of carryover in truth with the mule deer, too. I don't think they're very much different when it comes to that. I've heard very similar results from mule deer. And and not personally watched bucks drop, but know for a fact that I've seen multiple bucks, you know, in a very controlled area that um, that shed within a week each year, it seems like. Um, like, like Mark was saying. And I would bet if I was able to be in the field enough at that time to see it, it would probably be multiple ones that would shed on the exact same day. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised. But it's kind of cool. Pretty neat. Yeah, I wonder if, I don't know cool. if moose are the same way, but I mean, I, I can't imagine that any of the, you know, antlered critters are much different, to be honest. But It'd be interesting. You know, the person to talk to about that would be Ryan Miller up there in Alaska mm-hmm. or AK Scenic. He follows them pretty good. Oh, Vic. Oh, yeah, I wonder, though. I wonder how much Vic actually got out that time of year. Oh, that time of the year. Right on. Yeah, maybe not. Well, surely know. he did, but I don't know. You know, I'd blow on the dice and roll and say that they do. I think they'd all be similar. Yeah. That, you know, that animal, given it's healthy, yeah. and once it's fully mature, for that five-year window, will drop, you know, fairly closely to that day. Yeah. There was once a, I can go on, I could take up a whole podcast. There was a, a mature buck who's been dead for a decade, but I I photographed him from a yearling for 10 years. And it was in a, in a public park place access. But he would drop his antlers the second week of December before everybody. And he was a magnificent animal, but so early, like a month early and and there's still rutting behavior going on. There's still the second rut where they'll cycle through 28 days later, does that for whatever reason aren't bred, or 40% of the doe fawns can come into heat that year and mm-hmm. be bred. He's out of that game, and he would drop them. And there was one time I, I saw him, it was, I think, December 10th, his antlers had dropped, and he was just totally, and a small eight-pointer came into the field and just drove him off. It, <laughs> is, it was done, right? So it's interesting stuff. I, I You know, I'm, yeah. But you Ronald know, if a deer rolling. like that lived for ten years, that's that's a long life for a deer, right? So maybe that was just a survival yeah. mechanism. You know, just to not have to deal with that. You get rid of them early. You don't have to deal with 
that extra energy. Well, I don't even know. I mean, how much energy do they put out having it? But I'm sure if he was still in the rut mode, he'd be getting weaker and weaker. Yeah, there's there's a debate to be had there. And it goes back to our last podcast, too. When you think about that, the whole evolution, evolutionary biology belief behind it is it saves the energy during the harsh winter months. Mm-hmm. Horned animals like bighorn sheep and doll sheep don't do it. Those are heavy. But these antlered animals do shed every year. But why do some... It makes sense that caribou and moose shed earlier in December because they have heavier headgear. Mind you, they're bigger animals, so they should be able to handle it. Deer, both muleys and whitetails, you know, through January into February. But what's up, what breaks this idea or stops us on it is why are elk holding them until March and then start right away? Why would they're not they're not saving the weight over most of the winter? Yeah. Is it because well oh okay, here it is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking as I as I go. Elk, I mean, they do inhabit areas with harsh winter conditions, the northern Rockies in Alberta and northern British Columbia, and they're even into the southern Yukon, but they're maybe not as northern a species as moose and caribou evolutionarily right because they're all the way into new mexico right yeah so maybe winter's not as big a deal for most of the population yeah i don't know maybe maybe it has something to do with uh i don't know this is just way out on a limb i don't even know if i want to say it now (laughs) (laughs) but maybe it has something to do with um the not just for their breeding rights right it's also a way to protect themselves too you know, and maybe that helps them because they're a favorite meal source for a certain predator, right? And maybe that that's uh, one of the reasons they've hold on to them longer during the deep snow. I don't know. They can use it, but I mean, I don't want to. Well, it's a lot of speculation. Why, well, then why why deer? Right, deer will drop them, and then all they have are their hooves to protect from wolves and coyotes in the winter, right? Yeah. So they, if if it was a protectionary thing, I think they'd all hold them. hold on to them. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Maybe elk just know more people want them. <laughs> you got to earn them, baby. <laughs> so Ron's going to be happy that we got into antlers and moose and elk and everything already. It's out of the way for this podcast, buddy. Sorry you're not with us today. We'll catch you next time, no doubt. This, this week's show, we're going to dive into a bunch of pro tips and some listener questions that we're going to pick up on as well that have been sent in to us that we appreciate all the time. So I don't know also, there's actually a couple other things before we get into the pro tips. Yeah, I don't know. We didn't talk about this before and we talked about one of them, but not the other. I mean, we catch up on stuff. Jason, you've been in the field and something on a previous podcast, a bucket list yes. opportunity happened. Yes, was that, it was a podcast with Tim, right? Was it the, the flip the script? Yeah. Flip the script. First podcast of the year. Yep. What what your dream shot or the next thing on your bucket list would be? Yeah, yeah, I was I was trying to get after some bobcats and I'd had a lot of close encounters. I think I mentioned on there and I've seen them, but I've never really been able to get good images and uh, or any images for that matter, really. Um, yeah, but I was finally able to cross that off the 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 bucket list there. So um, obviously, you know, it's never good enough, and I need way more and all that good stuff. But yeah, uh, very cool. It was very cool to finally get. Uh, you know, to connect with a, a willing participating bobcat that was uh, <laughs> willing to pose for me. So 
pretty exciting. I have to watch my page and see. I should be posting one soon here. So it's funny. Bobcats aren't quite like lynx. It seems like lynx are way more curious. I mean, bobcats are curious and they'll stop for a little bit, but it's not like, you know, I've had lynx where they'll shimmy off into the bushes, but if you just hang tight, chances are that thing's going to come back out and check some stuff out or not be running off in some direction. You know, if you go slowly off towards in that direction, you might catch up to them 50 yards later, but Bobcats are, I've seen them several times and you think, Oh, okay. There's a, there's a chance, but it's (laughs) so hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy. And it's, you know, you've really got to commit. It's just like any other critter, right? You really got to kind of commit yourself to it and put yourself in the right position, the right location and hope a whole bunch of things come together. And that's, you know, that's kind of what I finally would been doing and it worked out. So I got pretty lucky too, for sure. But so did were you able to shoot what, fifteen, twenty thousand images? <laughs> um, not quite that many, but Mills encounter it didn't. They didn't last that long. I wish it lasted that long, but <laughs> and of course no, you had a beautiful more... sunrise or sunset behind it, and uh, yeah, right, wide yeah. No, landscape. I, had, I, I don't know if you all know, but I kind of like dark background stuff, so um, <laughs> I. I, uh, I uh, was able to get some pretty cool lighting conditions that were pretty exciting. We'll have to see how they turn out. But, um, yeah, it was some good light. You know, not the best scenery, but still very tickled pink to have had the encounter and had to get, you know, got some pretty good up front or up close full frame type images. So exciting. That's cool. So no pressure yeah. on Tim Irvin, but since Jason <laughs> got his – some point this year, Tim, I'm looking forward to the Wolverine encounter. Just <laughs> saying. Right. <laughs> no pressure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You never know. I can't wait to see those. So you haven't edited them yet? Yeah, I've got a couple edited up. I, like I said, I okay. think I'll be posting one late January when I get one posted up here for you guys. But awesome. Exciting. Yeah. I might. I could even send you to a sneak peek and you can you know, tear it up and... Tell me what I needed to do different. So, <laughs> I, I think it'll be a bunch of high fives. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I can't ever see doing that, man. Um, but... Not to you, for sure. <clears throat> so the other bit of news is fresh today. Fresh today. Our good buddy and co-host Michael Morrow. We have talked about this for years and years, and he has always wanted a a Sprinter van to travel in that's all custom decked out for the wildlife photography dream touring vehicle. Well, people, today was the day. Michael (laughs) Morrow got his first Sprinter van, and it's a sweet rig. It is pretty sweet. I got to tell you, I've been looking at these things for, well, it all started like, probably 20 years ago when I did, I was able to do a trip in Alaska in a Westphalia camper van. And you realize how comfortable it is because you got your food, you got your water, you got a bed, you just pull over wherever you're at. And it's not a lot of work, you know, as far as getting a camp set up and that sort of thing. So for years I have buddies that'll send me, they'll see a Westphalia for sale sign on the side of a you know, a parking lot somewhere and they'll send me a picture and it'd be like, Oh, you should check that out. And then of course it evolved from the VW vans to then it had sportsmobile vans, which were the big Ford four wheel drive things. And that, you know, of course you get hot on that. And then the sprinters came out and that was all the rage. 
So I've been looking, but they're so expensive and it's like, how do you, and then I, I would love to build one out that the way you wanted it, but the time that that takes, I mean, I watch a lot of stuff on YouTube and these guys spend, if they're doing a do it yourself kind of build out, if they buy just a hollow van, most of these people are spending a year to build it out the way they want, you know, planning it, figuring out your electrical, figuring out how you want the configuration inside do you want a bathroom do you want a shower you know what what's the deal and i looked at some when covid first happened last year you know we were all kind of stuck at home so i was like oh well i i wasn't out shooting and i was just sitting around because we all were we all didn't kind of know what was going to go on right so i got on craigslist and i started looking in denver and i found a couple but one was a hundred and eighty thousand dollars for a Sprinter van. So sweet, probably, though. <laughs> I'm guessing. I saw pictures of it. I was like, I'm not even going to go look at that thing because I'd just be wasting that person's time because I don't have... I mean, it'd be great to go see it for ideas and stuff, but that kind of money is not... It's way out of my league. So um, over the course of... Since then, I've just been looking. And the other morning, I woke up at 5.30 and I couldn't sleep. So I just picked up my phone. And I was like, oh, I'll just flip through Craigslist here. And one came up that was reasonably priced. And I was like, wow, I'm just going to kind of shoot this guy a message and just see, you know, I didn't have high hopes and I sent him a message and I was kind of excited, but then I was like, ah, it's just something's wrong. Something, this was just way too good to be true. The price was just set up where it was like, eh. So I sent it and then I promptly forgot about it. Right. And then I got up to my office and I'm just working away on podcasts. And I was like, man, that guy never texted me back. And I was kind of bummed out a little bit, like, uh, well, it must have sold already, or I didn't, you know, maybe it had been on there for, for a few days. But it did, you know, how Craigslist will say, oh, this was just posted in the last 12 hours. So I knew it was a fairly fresh post. So just for kicks, I went back to my email that I sent to him, and I looked at the phone number that I sent him, and I put in the wrong phone number. I missed one digit wrong, you know, so I'm doing it at night, I'm barely awake, you know, or 5.30 in the morning, and instead of a three, I put in a two, and I'm like, oh. I probably just missed the whole deal just because I can't type. <laughs> so I quickly fixed it and sent it, and he got right back to me immediately. He's like, yeah, I'll meet you today if you want to check it out. You're the first person. So I went and checked it out, and it worked out. He he'd built it. Um, he built it with the intentions of using it for skiing. He was going to go. So it's kind of like a four-season, so it's all insulated inside. Got a heater inside, all that jazz that they put in those things nowadays. And then his dad got cancer. So he's like, you know what? I got to focus on this and I got to get my dad better. And, you know, he's having to drive him to chemotherapy and that sort of thing. So he's like, you know what? I'm just going to sell this and focus on that. So nothing in it's been used. The fridge is brand new. The sink is brand new. Everything. It's got one of those composting toilets inside of it. So there's no bathroom or, or there's no shower. But... Um, it's got like an outside shower, so you could just open the door and pull the nozzle out and just shower outside, which most times of the year, that would be fine. You know, a lot of times you just need to rinse off and maybe wash your hair every two or three or four days, right? Just to get the, you gotta the feeling back. Remember remember the show you're the host of here, right? Okay. Yep. <laughs> right, <Yep>. right, <laughs> right. So um, all, everything in is brand new. So that's, it worked out really well and it was a good price. And so I decided what the heck, I mean just for 
financial reasons, tax reasons. Here lately, you know, we've been talking a lot about all the YouTube that I've been watching. Well, some of the YouTube that I've been watching is a lot of this financial stuff. And there's a lot of these young kids that are like YouTube millionaires or TikTok millionaires or uh, just really responsible young people that are really into finance. And so I just, I like watching that kind of stuff and keeping up with it. And one of the things that came up over the last, I don't know, couple of months that I've been watching, and I knew about this a long time ago, but if you buy a vehicle that's over 6,000 pounds in the U.S., you can write off 100% of that vehicle the first year if, if, if you want to, or you can spread it out. And I'm not even sure how I can spread it. I did call my accountant. I'm like, hey, so if I buy this, can I write this off? He's like, yep. So uh, that made it a little bit easier decision too, because then it kind of, you know, it'll offset some of that cost. Because you look at how much I paid in tax last year and I'm paid enough that I'm like, man, that could have went to a truck and not to the whatever. (laughs) So that, that helped me along in the decision-making too, but it should be the ultimate photo vehicle. It's not four wheel drive. That's the only thing I didn't get that I kind of thought would be cool. But you guys know how many places do we go where we actually are four wheeling? There's not a lot. There's a few places where, like Jason, when we went and did the lizards last year, mm-hmm. there's a couple of roads that we were on that were, I think this this thing could do it. The problem with the ones that aren't four-wheel drive is there's not a lot of ground clearance. Yeah. And this one happens to be the extended one. So they make two, well, they make a little shorty. I think it's a 144. And then they make one they call the 170. And I think it's just a 170-inch wheelbase. I think I haven't done enough research on that. So it's a little long. So I think if you got into some dips or some stuff where you'd be fine, like last year you had your Subaru and your Subaru did fine, but it's a shorter yep. vehicle. So yep. I there think, was some dips on those roads. Sorry. There was some dips on those roads where you wouldn't get through with like a Sprinter van or something, yeah. but, but it's very rare. Very yeah. Rare. That's what I thought. Well, you know, in those situations, I'll just walk, you know, I could just park and walk or I take my bike. That was the other your thing. E-bike. Too. That's what I was going to say. Bike <laughs> rack on the back, e-bike, you're golden. <laughs> well, and I love riding so much for exercise. So that's kind of my thing. And that was one of those things where you can put it, it's got, if you watch enough of these videos, I mean, they've got the van life thing is huge, right? Everybody's checking into it and they have, this is my front room and this is my kitchen and this is my living room and this is my bedroom. Well, they actually call a part of the, the truck a garage. This is my garage and it's usually underneath the bed in the back. That's where they store whatever the person's into. You watch a lot of them, they store uh, uh, snowboards or this um, surfboards or whatever, stuff like that. And then a lot of people store their bikes. So, so at this one, you could put your bike right in the back and then you know, get it in and out pretty quickly. And as long as you had a small enough camera rig to throw in a backpack, you could be on your way. You know, so much of the stuff I do in Alaska is on a bike. So you just get used to it. You have a little rack on the back and I strap my tripod to it and then wear a backpack with all my camera gear and away you go, you know, and that just gets you to the place where you want to start hiking, but it saves you, you know, at least an hour in the morning, getting to the spot where it starts to get good. So I I just thought about it and I was like, you know, a lot of the stuff we we've done in Canada, you know, it's not like you're out on a four wheel drive road or it's generally a paved road or a gravel road. And basically, or, you know, when I drove to Alaska a couple of years ago, a Sprinter van would have been awesome because there's so many, I mean, it's, 
I didn't run into very many cars. You know, you just don't on that highway up there. And it's so easy to pull off the road and a little pull off, spend the night, and away you go. So this should be the perfect, perfect uh, truck for that. So I'm going to have to find one for um, Mark was was pretty excited about it. it more mm-hmm. excited than me, I thought. But I'm going to have to find one for you now, Mark. It's, it's, yeah, they're awesome. I mean, just the time we've talked about it. And you go back to the podcast. Go back to that Alaska one. I think it was two or three episodes where you and Missy recorded the whole trip up, the drive on, on what you did going to Alaska. That was right. super cool. But, and another thing this reminds me of, so the lifestyle choice that people make when they go and do something like this, traditionally it was like a bigger RV, a Winnebago, stuff like that. And they're not fuel efficient. And you can do so much more more easily with a Sprinter van than those bigger units. Yeah. So even accessing places. And, and your van has so much inside it. But thinking about Don Wilson... Right. Who hosts an AMPA podcast with us. She took a year off and got an RV and on her own toured around. Now they're expensive, right? But it was a lifestyle choice for that period of time for her to explore and experience in this RV. And she had a big RV. The Sprinter van to me is perfect. It's just, and yeah, of course they're a little more pricey than an average vehicle because you're living out of it. But for the fuel efficiency, for the ease of access, if somebody's going to make that lifestyle choice for a period of time, if if they know they're going to go have the opportunity to go out and camp and be, if it's wildlife photography or nature photography that fuels their passion, they're going to go for four or five months. It's the ticket, right? And I mean, it obviously depends on on if somebody can afford it or if they or what they're going to do to change their lifestyle. But it it is a relatively economical option if somebody chooses to do that. I mean, we. We live once, right? Live, and I, I think I text you this. I mean, there's so many ways to say it, but live well, buddy, right? Right. If, if you can do it, and it, it gets you in the field comfortably, but in a relatively compact unit, albeit having to shower outside. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, the fuel economy is what blows you away. I mean, it's 24 miles to the gallon. You know, with a big vehicle like that, hauling, I don't know, it's going to be, I think most of them come in around 8,000 pounds. So you call hauling 8,000 pounds around and still getting 24 miles of the gallon. And when I test drove it, I drove it up I 70. And if you are, if anybody's familiar with driving up into the Rockies out outside of Denver, I mean, it's a pretty, pretty steep slug going up there. And you did, you couldn't tell, you know, you're even, you, you could have, I could have went faster, you know, it's not something I would do, but yeah, it's uh it should be cool. It should be, it could be an awesome place to just shoot out of as far as doing a lot of our content too, right? If we all meet up in a spot, it just gives us a spot to do our podcast out of. It gives us a spot to do all kinds of stuff for production. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Shower outside. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll let you guys <laughs> the, borrow the shower. The queen, no. <laughs> the queen bed in the back. Yeah. Yeah. That's just great. Yeah. I could just, I could see as you close the door, throwing the pup tent out the door to me and say, I'll see you in the morning. I'll give you a cot. <laughs> Or you could you could draw a curtain across the front seat and say, "There you go, yeah, Raycroft. You, you go. can sleep up there. You could be we'll, captain for the night." We'll put a couple boards across the two seats, and you can live it up. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. I'm, oh, I'm excited thanks. where this is going to take you, and and the fun you'll have in it. And yeah, who knows? I mean, I'd I'd love the opportunity to have extended time to do these kind of trips in the field. You know, I can start from here. You start in Denver. 
Jason, Utah. We'll meet up somewhere central and off we go for... You spend months editing images. There's no reason you couldn't do the same thing in a van. That's what makes it cool, right? Because it's comfortable enough where you can work out of it, you can play out of it, and you can kind of live your life. If you're willing to just minimize some of your stuff, I think, you know, you could be doing the same... I see a lot of them on these videos that I watch where people have put on full-on Mac, iMac systems inside their truck. And the solar is so good now. The solar technology that they put in these things and the amount of power that you can generate, you could run a computer all day. And if you've got the sun, you got to have the sun to make this all work. But it's it's pretty amazing. So you could be doing the same thing on the road and... There was, uh, I was following a couple of feeds on Instagram that did custom vans. I stopped. It was yeah. just too much eye, eye candy. I mean, if, if the day comes that I'm ready, that Pilly and I are ready to do that, then absolutely. But there's a place in North Vancouver that was doing them. And just so many options and such incredible interiors. And I mean, I had no, idea. I didn't price them out. It was just all eye candy. But the table, there was like a total office space with an iMac mounted in there. It's yeah. like, wow, right? Yep. Yeah. And this one is, I mean, this guy did a great job. It's not fancy. I mean, like one of the cabinets, he just went to Home Depot and bought a cabinet and then put Mm -hmm. it in there, but it looks pretty custom in there. And so it's not like it was a really expensive build. And, and I, I don't have tons of money just floating around. So I was like, I've got to be pretty budget minded. And I think I just stayed with it long enough that I finally caught one at the right price. You did. Yeah. For the year and the miles and everything. It's, it's, it's a, I think you got a, an incredible deal. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll put it to use. I'm a little scared to go to Yellowstone in the winter with it, but. Uh, you'd you know, be all right. Yeah, I think I'd be all right. The time that I've done it in the past, it's windy and a little yeah. snowy, but this guy was driving around. He had it up in Winter Park, Colorado and on icy roads and it's not four wheel drive. He doesn't even have, he just has the tires that came on it. And he said it got around just fine. So I think it's just a heavy enough vehicle. If you drive responsibly, you'd be fine. It's all about adventure. Well, it's like what you said, live it up. Yep. Live, make each day epic. We heard that somewhere, right? Something like that. Make make life epic. Make life epic. There you go. Sorry. That was Greg. Was that Greg? Greg Greg, Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Piper. Another another podcast uh, worth listening to. If you haven't, (laughs) for sure. They all are. But yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And I, I just... I keep stumbling. I make sure I get it right. My favorite was the Charlie Brown one where Charlie Brown says to Snoopy, it's a, it's a comic strip. He's at the end of a dock and he says, you only live once to Snoopy. And, and Snoopy says, no, you die only die once, but you live every day. Yes. That's, that's the one I like to pull when, when necessary just to yeah. spark things up in, in my mind. And I know I've repeated it on the podcast, but I think it's warranted. Yeah. So that's that's some heavy duty catch up, guys. Uh, yeah. Man, oh, wait, whoa, 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 what? whoa, whoa! I have I have something more, even more amazing than right. the Bobcat photos. Yes, oh, sir. oh yes, you do. <laughs> yes. As of this weekend, I'm a new grandpa, so that's pretty cool. That's uh, really a new cool. a new granddaughter. It's my first. It's my oldest boy and his wife and. Uh, Jovi Kennedy Loftus. She's a beautiful little girl, and I'm just starting down the grandpa road, so I'm very excited about it. So I told you on text I was gonna. So you know how we on the YouTube feed when you guys watch the YouTube feed, you'll see our names with our Instagram handle. I'm gonna change your Instagram handle. 
I'm just going to put Gramps in there. Gramps. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to own it and wear it with pride. I don't oh, care. Oh, yeah. No, it was cool. <laughs> it is yeah. cool. So that's a big deal for me. But Big congratulations. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, well, before was, we got on the yeah. podcast, you were telling us you, you already have big plans for getting oh, yeah. the camera in her hands. What? Probably <laughs> like 18 months. Yeah, whenever she can push a shutter button. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm excited to just get her out and get her experience in the outdoors, whatever that means, right? With four wheeling, camping, photography, absolutely. But chasing I, lizards. Chasing lizards, absolutely. And you know, little kids that dig that. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited. It'll be fun. <laughs> Congratulations. Well, the camera. Thanks. Yeah, big time. Yeah, there's so many things I want to say, but I don't, I don't want, <laughs> you're, well, I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm not in a hurry to be a grandpa, I, oh, I, yeah. I can, I can see the joy in it when it happens for so many reasons, yeah. so much excitement about that. It's just a whole other, uh, chapter is not even the right word, but just exciting thing brings to your life, right? Yeah. With your, yeah. I mean, you love your children so, so much and then to have that go on to another generation it's just precious so yeah uh, yeah but you're also the youngest of the crew right yeah i'm too young to be a grandpa technically guys but you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> the math works out actually so i guess you know <laughs> but that just gives you more time to play around right well i'm hoping so yeah I, i'm i'm looking forward to whatever that means you know i really am so you know they're 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 young and they're gonna need lots of help, right? That that's what family's for. So I'm looking forward to all that. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun experience. And my wife is just head over heels, you know. She's I'm already starting to worry about the checkbook and <laughs> she's so I'm gonna have to like strap down my camera gear so it doesn't get hawked and stuff, you know. So <laughs> it's that's totally in her wheelhouse. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? More power to her, right? So <laughs> Well, it just, it just look- means you have to sell more pictures. Don't tell her tell her you can't sell the gear because I can right. sell the pictures that <laughs> I'm gonna have to get my button gear. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was this week. It's like Yeah, three, was, this was yeah. yeah, this was yeah. uh was for the because the dates the were it was Friday night, so it would have been January fifteenth. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I think yeah. you sent us pictures on Saturday. I did. I was, as soon as I got them, boy, I was like, I might've sent some like early in the morning to like three midnight, yeah. one o'clock. So I was just like, well, hopefully they leave their text alerts off. And <laughs> I was pretty excited. So <laughs> what, what do you got going on there? Mr. Raycroft? I got my new safety glasses. <laughs> safety glasses. So, oh, oh. Mr. Morrow just left the building. <laughs> now, wait a minute. I, I got I to know why you need safety glasses for editing. So with the, the pro tips and the listener questions that we're going to put out there today, there's a few things. This is something that's new for me. Super geekoid. Look here. Go to YouTube, people. Have a chuckle. So these glasses, <laughs> I, knew, I knew nothing about this a week ago. And I have, I'll admit, I haven't Googled it to research how significant this is whether it's an issue or not but what put this on my radar was that my son who's 23 and he's in school asked my wife to order him a pair of these blue light protective 
sunglasses or glasses, not sunglasses, blue light computer glasses, because he's one of the things he's studying is computer programming. So he's in front of screens a lot. And it, and it filters this for the eyes. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I've spoken to a couple of friends this week, and they're also the same way. And they spend a ton of time in front of their in front of their Macs, in front of their iPads or their smartphones. What the heck's blue light? So I go on, and I look online, and they're like 25 bucks. So I'm like, okay, they're not good looking. But <laughs> so, and I don't I find it edit for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you look very studious. I, I don't plan to edit with them. I mean, the, the, there really isn't much of a color difference, but I always I want to make sure I'm seeing colors 100% clear. But we're on our smartphones so much that I wear them there. But we talked about it before the podcast. I wasn't going to bring it up, but then Jason mentioned that you knew more about this too. So I thought I'd bring it up for the podcast. What's with the blue light and having eyewear that filters that? Well, I don't know all the details, but I just know that um, supposedly there's it all on you. Yeah. No, I I get it. Yeah. But no, I think I've heard that because I just, well, I just recently got glasses. Um, I've been fighting it. I'm, I'm 47. I've, you know, been fighting the, my arm's not long enough anymore. So (laughs) I actually went to my, I've been using readers, but I went to my daughter because it's, it's kind of difficult sitting in a computer desk. I write a desk for work. And then I come home and write a desk editing photos a lot too, right? So it's it's uh, spending a lot of time in front of computer screens. And the lights that come off the computers, there's theories that, that that blue light that's coming out of there can be harmful for your eyes and or can affect your your sleep, your circadian rhythm or whatever it is, right? There could have some impacts on your that they, they don't fully understand. And from what I understand, my daughter works at an, for an optometrist. So I went and visited them and asked them about the, those those things and got some glasses. I actually got some office glasses. So now they're um, transition lenses. So they've set them up so that I can see close at the bottom and in the middle I can see my screen. And at the top I can see somebody that walks in the room, for example, right, pretty clearly. And they work really well. But they can do these coatings, and they added this blue light coating to it. And I was worried about the same thing, Mark, as far as um, the editing I was worried about it changing the colors in that. And actually, so these ones have it on them. And it seems like it doesn't really do much, having much of an impact on the colors. I've been doing some editing with them on, and it seems to be pretty effective. Um, I think the cheaper, you know, like the $25 ones you bought, that might, those may be able to have an impact on color. I don't, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> they look amazing, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You can tell by looking at them how much they cost. Yes. <laughs> A lot put into style here. A lot of, a lot of, yeah. <laughs> well, and glasses aren't cheap, right? So, fortunately, my daughter works at the optometrist, and that saved me quite a bit of money. But to have this coating put on professionally, it's not very cheap. So, anyways, long story short, I think, you know, who knows? That there's The doctor said that there's no real studies or evidence to show that there is an impact with the blue light or that having these um, this layer actually does anything. But the stuff that they're looking into right now. But I just thought, figured, well, it can't hurt. And I spent enough time in front of the computers that if it has a potential to have an impact, that it's probably a smart thing to do. But well, there you have it. That's bucks. all I know. That's <laughs> a lot. Yeah. For 25 <laughs> bucks, I figured, again, at least for the smartphone time, which is adding up. I mean, Instagram, I don't know. I don't even want to say it. I'm a little embarrassed. But for the multiple <laughs> pages and stuff, you know. It's one to two hours a day. That's a lot of work. And I'm not. So if it, 
it doesn't change anything wearing these super sexy glasses. I mean, everything <laughs> looks the same around the room. I look different, but I'm on my couch in the house or in the office, so it's not it's not a fashion statement. Um, but I don't know. I figured for that, if if it's important enough to my son and he's studying computer science and he knows that, I've already it's probably shot after ten million hours in front of an editing computer already. But it's only adding up more and more. You know, as Ron pointed out, and we talked about weeks ago. You know, we get the the weekly update on how much time you spent on your phone. It's like, well, that's significant now. So maybe these things, if they if they don't hurt to wear, and and when people come in the room, they get a good laugh. It's worth it, <laughs> right? So well, food for thought, something to research. Think about. Know how serious that's you are one. if you show up in the field with them for your there you go your field Instagram time. Then we'll know if you if they're making a difference. <laughs> right. Yes. True. Hard are they are they uh, magnified at all? Or are they just a blue blocker? No, they're just a blue blocker, which is a problem for me. Again, it's the glasses thing. So I have, I have sunglasses that are, are prescription, and then my distance glasses, and then my computer glasses. It's it's embarrassing. It's downright <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> Why I go to my office. Well, because nobody. I don't want to get older. I want to stay nimble and young and going. And and I I, I mean I'm going to fight that curve like Michael Morrow does every day on his bicycle. But I'll go sit. I sit down at my office desk. There's my Mac. And in front of it, are, now there's three pair of glasses, right? There's these, which I, you know, and then there's a the prescription ones. So at arm's length, to be super sharp, I wear one pair. But they're no good out in the field. If I need to see an animal at 300 yards away, crisp, I need to wear my regular glasses. So, so I ultimately have to do what you did jason and the next time i get glasses which is overdue then to see about the blue coating on the ones that i wear that are prescription yeah yeah i this was just a spontaneous thing for 25 bucks or whatever yeah and you know i, I wanted the uh, uh the risky business look you know the frames from the <laughs> from the 80s it. movie you nailed it yeah <laughs> they're a little shiny i think but yeah i think it it'd could, be fun for you to there's a TikTok filter out there that tells you what celebrity you look like. I think you ought to wear those and see what it does for you. <laughs> yeah. Scary business is what that'll be. Not yeah. uh, well, that was a good pro tip starter. I'll ease into it. <laughs> so we're going to do a pro tip or a question? Oh, uh, you know what? It's totally flex, guys. We can do a question. Either way, I, have, I can do a, I have, a pro tip. I, I work really hard on uh, today's pro tip ideas and came up with another one I, I, I want to throw out there before the podcast is over but so we we have listener questions as they keep trickling in and always appreciate the interaction on every level with our podcast so send them to us on an email send them to us on instagram on a dm at wild and exposed and let us know and we'll get back to them and reply then but also I mean, we won't guarantee that I'll be featured on a podcast, but we definitely select a bunch over time as we do these podcasts together and and feature them. So this is from Jakey's Fork, Wyoming on Instagram, J-A-K-E-Y-S-F-O-R-K, Wyoming. When shooting on sunny days, do you use an ND filter? And if so, how many stops do you recommend? And right out of the gate, I'll hand this one over to Michael Morrow. 
I never use ND, but Jason brought up a good point earlier when we were talking about this before the show. So I guess there is a reason to use an ND, but when I'm shooting stills, I never use ND unless you're trying to achieve an effect. And I'll let Jason go into that. I use ND all the time when I'm shooting video, but that's because we're trying to achieve a certain settings within the camera to make it look more cinematic than more than the opposite, which would be video and having everything sharp. So I don't know that there's a good answer as far as what range do you use? I think the ones that are out there nowadays, you just want to get, spend a lot of money. You know, I think you, you should spend, if you're going to put a piece of glass in front of your lens that you've spent a lot of money on, it's worth it to spend a little bit of money on that filter so that you're not degrading the lens that you just spent all this money on and just get one that can go from whatever 0.3 to 1.2 or 0.3 to even even higher than 1.2 if you can find a good quality one that works for the size of lens that you have so it kind of leads into one of my pro tips that I had too but I want to have Jason kind of address using it for stills but for me, I never use it for stills. I know Ron had something the other day where he was talking about using an ND sometimes. Well, no, he was talking about setting his, doing his settings just to take an advantage of the bright light. Before Jason gives the expert answer on that stuff, I'll just say I, I don't touch it for stills. And, I mean, we can do a lot of stuff in post now, but the light is the light. It's one of the primary things about being a successful photographer in outdoor natural light is interpreting and reading that and good there's good light and there's not good light so the rich light the first three hours of daylight and of course this is different up at the arctic and when the days are long or short but generally speaking for us first three hours of daylight the last three hours good light to photograph in the richness varies you might want to change your white balance and play with that stuff in your camera or and that's on a clear day on a sunny day on overcast days, it's game on throughout the day. Shadows are gone, lights even. That's awesome. I like cloudy white balance for overcast days myself for what I like my images to look like going into post production. But I've never, yeah, when the light's harsh, it's time to look at the pictures on the back of the camera or better yet, catch up with your friends in the field and, and or sit down and take in the scenery and enjoy where you are. Or take a nap. Or, or get out there and make some really contrasty black and white fine art photos. Infrared. <laughs> Infrared. That's what that's what Ron was talking about. Yes, it was a fine art black black and white, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Way to go, yeah. Mr. Hayes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, the podcast we just put out, wasn't it Joe? Wasn't he talking mm -hmm. about doing the infrared stuff? Yeah. And we just put infrared. him on the, so on the yep on the show or they're in the show notes. So if you want to go look at his work, it, it, they are stunning. Yeah. You know, and there's a link to his actual page to actually look at him big, but you can see him on our page, very small, but they're yep. pretty cool. And he said, you did need that really contrasty middle of the day light. So there's always a way to use the light to your advantage. I guess that's what we learn. Right. <laughs> right. But what was the thing that you said, Jason earlier when you were like, well, you could use an ND for this. And I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Well, and I'm with you guys. And Mike, maybe just real quick, just to give context to it, because I think it's important maybe to just give a quick example of you using, like, your settings. 
you mentioned that you do it for effect, right? Before when you're doing video, you're trying to get certain settings, but maybe just a little bit more detail about what those settings would be for an example. So on video, what you want to do, what you want to achieve, if you want to keep that cinematic look is you always want to shoot your shutter speed at two times your frame rate. So if you're, you know, on all these new cameras, you can, most of them, you can shoot 24 frames a second, 30 frames a second, 60 frames a second. That's the most common. And then if you get into some of the newer cameras, you can shoot 120 frames a second. But let's say you're shooting at 30 frames a second. What you want to do is you want to have your shutter speed at a 60th. So, and then you choose whatever depth of field you want. You know, sometimes I cheat when I'm shooting animals where I want a little bit more in focus or if I'm trying to get all the antlers, I'll shoot at F8. Sometimes I'll go that high. Sometimes they can even go to F11 depending on which lens I'm using. But you're always fighting that light. And if it's a bright sunny day, you've got to cut the light to get to a 60th. Anybody that's out there shooting, you just know it's so hard in the middle of the day or, you know, just right at that three hour mark, you know, in the morning, it's still, it gets pretty bright at that point. And you're, there's no way without ND will you ever get a 60th of a second at say five, six and you're shooting 30 frames a second. So it's a, they call it the 180 degree rule. And it just gives you that cinematic look. So if you're shooting a 60th, and if you slow down, a good way to explain it is if I want to treat my video camera like a still camera, I have to operate it like a still camera. So this, the red camera, the sensor in that camera is good enough to shoot still images. And that was what they touted when that red camera first came out is you can shoot stills, you can shoot video, you can shoot whatever. And it's true. But you have to shoot it as a still camera or you have to shoot it as a video camera. So if you're shooting it as a still camera, you're going to run your settings up and you're going to have a fast shutter speed and you're going to be able to stop the action. So if you're scrolling through the footage and you stop anywhere where you had a fast shutter speed, the image is going to be sharp. But if you're shooting at a 60th and you try to pull a freeze frame out of a bit of video, it's never going to be completely sharp. You know, just like we're, we're expecting to see sharp out of a stills camera. So that, but that's what gives you that cinematic look. And you don't really notice it in video. If it's a 60th and it's a little blurred, and it's not blurred. It's just like a little motion blur more than anything. And it's very slight, but that's what achieves that cinematic look. And what we're all used to seeing when we go to the movies or when we go watch some IMAX film or whatever. It's that look that we're after. And the only way to do it is with ND. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Thank you. And I and I think the point the reason I wanted you to point that out, I think, is because it also answers why for photographs, most of us, especially wildlife, right, with that we none of us are really using NDs for, because we're we're not trying to reduce light and lower our shutter speeds. We're trying to increase light so we can crank our shutter speeds up, right? So for wildlife, I would never. I've never used any kind of filter for any of my photography. The only time I've ever used a filter, and it goes back to your comment about achieving an effect is like for waterfalls, for example, if you want to try to get some silky water and you know, you're not there at the right time of day, or you got a little bit of the sun starting to hit the, the scene, you know, then you're definitely going to have to, you know, if you're trying to get, you know, a three second or a five second exposure, for example, you're definitely going to have to use an ND filter and you're probably gonna have to use something like a, a you know, a seven stop um, ND filter or something like that to try to achieve that kind of effect. So to me, that's the only time I've ever used a filter, and I've tried it a few times, and it's fun to play with, um, but I've never used it for any type of wildlife stuff. The one thing that people used to do all the time in Denali when you're trying to shoot Mount McKinley is it's snow-covered 
year round, right? And you have this definite line of <clears throat> the vegetation with no snow, and then all of a sudden you have snow. And if you're trying to shoot a really cool picture of that mountain, we used to use graduated neutral density. So we'd cut the mountain, leave the bottom all clear, and that worked a lot. That worked really well. But now you can kind of do that in camera. So you don't need a neutral density as much. If you're shooting off a tripod and you just bracket your exposures, then you can fix it all in post. Back in the well, old days, you couldn't fix it. Yeah, and I would just even say, like a lot of the newer cameras, the dynamic range is so good that you don't really don't even have to bracket in a lot of cases, right? So, right. I mean, maybe if I don't know enough about one landscape, maybe I'm just doing it wrong, but <laughs> but I would assume that the dynamic range is, you know, you probably get a much better image if you bracket if you bracketed, but you can get away with quite a bit without even bracketing. But. Yep. Yeah, Denali was just the most extreme example because it was just so white. And on a bright, clear day, there's just no way you were going to match that exposure. Yeah, the dynamic range wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> but that leads right into one of my pro tips. Can I throw that out there real quick? Do it. So, you know, more and more people are shooting video. And I put this little system together the other day because I'm going to go shoot this job and I needed to have a wide-angle lens. And so... At one point, I bought this a map box. So a map box is a is a piece of equipment that you put on the end of your lens, and then you can slide big square filters. So it's not a variable neutral density; it's more of a square filter, and it is what it is is what it is. So you get a point nine, you get a point nine. Or if you if you want to cut three stops of light, that's the filter you put in, and then you can stack them if you want to, so you can add more than one. But the problem is is all these lenses are different sizes now, right? So you have 77 is probably the most common of what we all use. So if you look at your 24 to 70, well, if you look at a 24 to 70 F4, it's a 77. A 20, a 70 to 200 is usually a 77. But then you get into the lens like you're using, Mark, that 200 to 500, I think it's a 95, right, on the end. So what you can end up having is, oh, if I want to have a neutral density variable neutral density for all your lenses in your bag then all then you're buying two or three or four different neutral density filters to to fit every lens well i grabbed a lens the other day for this little kit that i was building and it's a 95 and i'm like oh man i don't want to buy another variable and i already have these square filters really high quality square filters they're, they're four inches by five and a half inches and they are made to fit in these matte boxes well, there's a company called Wooden Camera, and they make a new matte box that you would slide these filters into, and it comes with, I've got the box right here, it comes with different lens diameters, so you can snap on an 82, a 77, a 95, whatever, you put that on the end of your lens, and then you screw that attachment right to the matte box. So your Mac box is kind of one size fits all. And then they include all these adapters so that you can get to all those different sizes. So it, if you're, if you're really into video, I highly recommend it. It's a little on the spendy side just cause it's pretty high quality stuff and it's super light. It's not great for stills because you, you just can't get around in the field. You're going to knock it off. Or if you're trying to walk around through the bushes or whatever, it's, it's, it's bulky and it kind of sticks out there. But if you're shooting video off a tripod and you're stationary, it's, it's pretty awesome to have. So highly recommend it. And it's strictly for neutral density. This one actually comes with the sunshade. So it can help out even if you're not using neutral density, because you could, if you have sun kind of coming in your lens and you don't want to get rid of it, you can bring the sunshade down a little bit. 
but it's a uh, it's a pretty cool little unit to have so that would be my my pro tip if you're wanting to get into you know higher end video with just one filter set that is not variable so once you put it in there you're you're stuck but if you're shooting in bright light more times than not i'm just throwing in the 1.2 and i just adjust the camera to work off of that one filter and it is a better quality filter you're putting less glass in front of it in front of your lens and you know a variable neutral density is essentially two filters that twist together to create the the amount that you want with this it's just one piece of high quality glass with that neutral density setting right on there so you're going to get a much better image i feel like if you use this matte box system I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to go check it out. Always. Yeah. Yeah, that makes me think about – don't we have it on a YouTube channel, a whole series of um, talking about videos and videoing and filter systems and different types of MD filters and stuff? Yeah, I did one so of those. So something, something – and it's out there, so somebody can go if – you're, if you're interested in more details on other options too, you can go out and check that out on the YouTube channel. The YouTube channel, I mean, the audio podcasts are so mobile – you're doing whatever. It's great. We love putting that product out. But yeah, go to the YouTube channel. There's so many things we're working on there. We've got playlists for wildlife action videos. Some are super short, but so unique that we've found in the field. There's a lot going on there. And it's it's going to keep expanding. We've we've been talking behind the scenes. There's a lot of <laughs> excitement brewing at Wild and Exposed. So <laughs> I encourage you to go to YouTube and subscribe. Hit the bell icon because as we develop more content, seriously, it's, it's going to be fun. Be there. So just for clarification, because we're all on different pages in some respects in life, what is spendy for that mat box? It, I think it was right at 1000 bucks. Ooh, that is spendy. But yeah. if you figure if you go <laughs> buy a variable neutral density, a good one, you're going to spend 500 And it's going right. to be that size. So you're going to buy a 77 or you're going to buy a 82. Now you can use a step-down ring. So if you're familiar with filters, and in, in the old days we would use people used to carry on tons of filters so you could have a 77 that steps up to an 82 and that works because you're you're it's bigger your your filter is bigger so you can go from an 82 and screw it onto a 77 with that step down ring so you do get some functionality but 95 like what you're using mark with the two to five and this lens that i was using is that and it has mm -hmm. threads on it so i could use a traditional filter <clears throat> but i was gonna have to go buy that i already had the filters so this just seemed like a better option. And then I've, I can go every, anywhere. I think it goes all the way down to 52, the little adapters, 52 all the way up to 114. Sure. So it just gives you that range. So you are spending a little bit more, but it's, it's made out of carbon fiber, so it's super light, and it gives you that flexibility. But I would only recommend it for the real serious, not even real serious, but people that shoot lots of video, I would, I would definitely use it as right. a as a tool in the in the dslr video world if you're using a traditional video camera a lot of times nd's built in so if you're using a c300 or a c500 or any of those canon a lot of the sony's have neutral density built right into the body so you don't have to worry about it but reds and dslrs we don't have that so it's just a good option i have a 305 it's for sale <laughs> cheap an XF three hundred five. That is vintage. XF three hundred five. Seven or eight years ago. Oh, with the whole kit, I think I spent ten grand on that. Why oh, not? Oh, oh, just punch me in the gut now. 
but I bet I, it's moved on, right? Oh, my no. my iPhone's better. Yeah. Yep. No, I shouldn't say that. It's for sale, and it's a really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a good camera. There's so much I love about it. It's just HD, right? Yeah. So who shoots in HD? What do you do? So I have an Atomos Ninja that I'd put on it, right, to pull off RAW. But anyway, all right, moving on. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's a great. That's a great pro tip. So I have a pro tip about a new app that I use for Instagram that puts out the data and people are people are loving this about the photos <laughs> all right i'll confess i'll confess we were talking before the podcast jason my man this is your your pro tip and it's a good one take it away buddy i love it thanks for thanks for not stealing it <laughs> now the one i was just going to share and it's a quick and easy one but it's uh, i've been getting a lot of requests since i started doing it but on my photos I've been sharing on the second, uh, if you swipe to the left on the s- second photo, the metadata from my photo. And um, it seems to be something a lot of people are really enjoying. And I've been getting a lot of requests on how to do it too. Um, and it's just a simple app. It's called Photo Summary. Um, all one word, Photo Summary. And I think it's two or three bucks, so it does cost you. But it's pretty pretty user-friendly. And you can choose what kind of data it ends up on your image. It's like right now I'm putting my my name as a copyright and my website and the camera info, the lens info, and then all the metadata too, um, or the, the data for the settings. So um, super easy to use. Um, it might be something that you guys find value in if you want to share that kind of data with folks. Um, and I think people tend to really appreciate that. Um, I don't know if it's increasing followers i doubt it is but it seems like the followers that i have are, are liking it and appreciate the having that kind of data so pretty I think, easy i think a lot of people look at that and they just want to know i mean it's just like i wonder what you know if you're looking at something that where the background's falling off what what was your aperture you know That's and then point. you get to see it right there and we talk about yeah. it all the time and we all know how to do it and i think if you can just see a picture and see what it was shot at it's it's just good information. It just gives you food for thought. Well, you know what's funny too is my buddy Dale Evans, who's been on the show before, he was giving me a little bit of grief, but he had a actually really good point. He said, "So you were shooting at three twenty uh, millimeters on one of my shots, but you were still at f six point three." And he says, "Why? Because that lens will go below that, you know, if you're down there." And and I and I and I told him why. I was like, "Well, come on," and he knew, but he, you know, I just it doesn't automatically go down, so I just left it at six three and kept shooting. But, you know, the, did I do that on purpose or did I, you know, so there's more data potentially that could get you to think about sharing more information with folks as, you know, with your images too. So it was kind of a good little uh, uh, lesson, I guess. I'll let him, I'll, I'll let him have it. But. Well, I think I know, I can tell you for a fact, I've gotten lazier with the cameras that you have nowadays. It's like, mm, I'm not going to worry too much about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But 10 years ago, I I would have been paying a lot more attention to what my aperture was and if i if i could have got to f4 i i would have probably done it yeah but now sure. i can get away with it so yeah. you know and then i just spend more time on composition which i think is ultimately more valuable but you get away with it because your iso is much higher than it once was so the right. shutter speed doesn't need to be bumped up by going to the lower aperture just for those listening that yeah. way. so the cameras have i mean they're monsters with what we can do now for iso amazing Right. Yeah. So the same thing. It's it's just it, you know. Unless it's a scenario where you're really 
are tight enough you want to pull that background away with the shallowest depth of field you can, then, you know, I agree with Michael. You just don't end up changing because your shutter speed is fast enough. And instead, like you said, 100%, you're focused on composition, on the animal behavior and, and getting the variety of images you can in that fleeting moment. Right. Yeah. But but there are there are situations where, you know, the shallow depth of field does improve it. So yeah. you just be aware of that too. But yeah, it's awesome times. I tell you, Michelle Valberg's been in touch with me this week uh, about the Nikon Z, Z, seven, two, you know, if, if, if it wasn't for COVID and we were traveling, this would all be no brainer, but I'm just still sitting tight because nothing's happening right now, but it sounds pretty sweet. I don't, anyway, you're just going to save money by not having to buy this intermediate model because by the time COVID's over, right. The next one's going to, you're going to be with the Z three, nine, the rumors of the nine. Yeah. Who knows? Right. It's, uh, I'm saying I'm still waiting on the teaser two to 600 info that she dropped on us and then left so abruptly. <laughs> Michelle, <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> so I don't know if, um, can I do one more pro tip kind of spin? Not to Instagram yeah. overload, but it's such, it's, I mean, the most important tool for marketing visuals now. And this is where the time goes into Instagram, I really enjoy the interaction, honestly. And I love, I'm such a visual person, I love seeing everybody's work. But we can now present it in so many ways. It's like sit down, get comfortable, get your coffee, your tea, whatever you're into, because you're there. I mean, there's, there's interacting with everybody, which is great. There's posting a picture, there's making it relevant with the caption, why you're posting that picture. But now you've got stories, right? So stories came out and they were important. And you, the Instagram algorithms, from my distant and naive interpretation, appreciate people interacting on these various platforms they offer as far as getting traction. So you put up stories because that's a new way to present visuals, whether it's stills or video. And they're the GIFs and graphics and fun stuff. And there's the font and the pump and pop and things you can put on there. We've been doing that for a while now. So every day you got to post, you've got stories, or most days. It depends on your agenda and what you want to accomplish, of course. But for us, it's pretty well every day. Now there's reels. <laughs> it's It's been out for a while. I know a lot of your listeners are going to say, hey, Raycroft, what are you talking about? It's been out. <laughs> well, this is new on my plate because I just engaged with it this week. And they are so much fun. But be in a comfortable chair. <laughs> because it's all of this creative process i love being creative i love marketing but the reels now give you the opportunity for me i go into my this is all done on my smartphone they're getting so good by the way i love this <laughs> new generation of smartphone i just got the iphone 12 this week and i know there are androids that are probably comparable or, or better in some ways but i jumped from the 8 plus to the 12 Ah, the camera's on it. I just can't get enough. But the technology in these apps, in Instagram, to work your videos, to quickly... So go. I go into my video folder, and I did for Wild and Exposed, and I've learned... I've only done like four or five reels. But each one, it's like, oh, I could have done this. I find out new tools in them. So I want to 
take you folks along on the adventures that we're having or have had. So the Kenai Peninsula, I pulled a couple there where there's some videos. Maybe take five videos together. Maybe there's a time lapse. Maybe there's a various perspectives and aerial from a plane. And the cool thing is you have to select them chronologically that you want to place them in your reel. But when you select the first one, you just slide the finger, you pick the spot, and set it and hit add. So it adds it. Then you go back to your video folder. What's the next part of this story? And it's something Michael's talked about from day one, three years ago on our podcast, is creating B-roll, telling a story visually through video. And these platforms are facilitating that so easily for everybody now to take people along. It may not be a wildlife adventure. It could be your family weekend. So much fun. So you pick the next one chronologically. What do you want it to be? Is it from the plane? Is it from the boat? Is it the water? Is it the macro close-up? Is it the animal? And then again, you slide it to the amount of duration. And so maybe the reel is 30 seconds. You can adjust all of this. And then you add the next segment. So let's say you add five videos together and make a reel that's 30 seconds long and try to tell a story with it. It's really a lot of fun, but it takes time. And then I upload that. And I, I'm, I'm like patting myself on the back. The guys are going to be happy with this. I hope they were. I never heard. But that's okay. I don't mean it that way. But it's like I was a little worried when I've learned things since then. I'm like, oh, I should pull that down because it could have been better. So you you can select your cover. Well, the one, I did pull one down because it started with the dirt road sequence. And the cover, the opening thumbnail for that reel that showed on Instagram was just the dirt road ahead of the truck. It's like, that's not sexy. <laughs> so you can just slide along and pick a part of whatever the visual is during that reel to be your cover, your thumbnail that's going to get people to click on it or it opens it. Then you can pick music. I skipped this for the first like three or four. And there's all the different genres. And you just go through and, I mean, it's whatever the mood you're feeling you pick the music and it goes with the story. And it, to me, I mean, I'm having a lot of fun. It's super impactful visually, but it takes time. So it's just another thing with Instagram, with, but it's still marketing. It's still promotion. And, and for our show, season four, brothers, you know, it, to be able to so easily sit down. And I know we've talked about this on a podcast like two years ago, Michael, where iMovie would put together a great sequence. Right. And now Reels in Instagram, I think, does it with the same efficiency built right in the app. And I, I heard, and I couldn't, I might be wrong about this, but I heard it was, a, you know, TikTok was doing so well as an app, something I'm not engaged in, but I've seen some. My son sends them to me. There's some hilarious ones out there, but this was Instagram's way of creating a content driver that's similar platform to TikTok on their own app because. You know, everybody wants to be the biggest app out there. So it's so the interest in it is for those that want to keep growing their Instagram for whatever reason it might be. But as professional photographers, if it's to grow your following for photography, the information coming down the grapevine was that these algorithms favor reels right now. So let's try it. So that's what we were doing. So I'm going to for now try to do like a reel every fourth post and just watch the statistics, the analytics and see what it does. How's the music on that work? Cause a lot of it is copyrighted songs, right? Do you get to choose? I haven't done a reel, so I don't know. 
I look at them all the time. I, you're right. There's some funny stuff. There's some cool wildlife stuff. There's, it's kind of whatever your Instagram is feeding you. There's going to be a good reel for that stuff, right? But a lot of times you'll hear a, a copyrighted song. Is that something that you can just say, oh, I want the Beatles or I want Waylon Jennings or I want Johnny Cash or I want whatever. Can you just choose that song and go with it? You know, um, so when you pick, when you hit your window to add a photo, right beside it is Reels. So that's where you access this portal into their app. But yeah, man, these are all copyrighted songs. And this is in their app. So it must this be is something legal. that, this is somebody that if we had, a, you know, somebody in the back right now working on our podcast producer that would say, look this up as we're talking, like right. Joe Rogan has with his buddy there, I forget his, as I don't remember. I don't, I don't want to guess because I'll get it wrong. And give us the answer, but every they're hit songs, man. So I assume, and I don't know this for a fact, um, but Instagram must be licensing these as long as it's used in their app. Is my assumption because the reel doesn't ever leave the Instagram app, but you know it shows you when you pick audio or. Uh, music to go with it you've got like five genres selected there and you can expand on them you know any kind of music and there's hit songs there so it doesn't ask you it doesn't prompt you it doesn't do anything to warn you so they're offering it as part of their app so my assumption is they've licensed it or are paying because of the money they're generating through their ads somehow to support the music but i haven't looked that up it would be something worth researching just out of curiosity because it's a valid question but i assumed given that they gave you the option within their app obviously it's good to go because they're offering the music to you and here's the interesting thing so this is part of that spin so when you look at our reel when it plays the reel right above the video clips the musician's name and song are highlighted right there it shows that. So you know who the artist is and you know the name of the song. So there is promotion going on for that audio as well. That's embedded right above your reel for everybody who sees it. That's pretty so, awesome. So I've got a task for you then. Oh, another? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, and this is going to, by the time we ever get around to doing this, it's going to be old news. It is already is old news, but... If you could get a caribou drinking cranberry juice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I see where you're going. We'd be done. Yeah. And it's was Fleetwood Mac. Was it Fleetwood Mac? Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm writing that down. Caribou, <laughs> cranberry juice. Or um, maybe it's you drinking cranberry juice with a caribou in the background. That might be. Doable. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could probably do that. Like we could do it right now. (laughs) Oh, okay, sure. (laughs) Oh, that's good. I need to try to start doing those. I haven't done that at all. Have you done one, Jason? A real? I have not. I have not. But I've. But you're right. I've been hearing lots about it. It's a big part of the algorithm now, and it's probably something you you know you got to keep kind of. So I've thought about using it in the way like from some maybe some editing tips or I don't know. I don't know. No, what the best way that. to do, but you know, that I'm just trying to think from our perspective, what makes sense. And it would be the adventures 
And I think it might be some of our workflow editing type stuff. Maybe just once in a while, you just go and edit a, vi- a, a photo on there and try to put a video together of that and throw it on your reel, you know, or something. I don't know. That's but. cool. I like that angle. Who yeah. knows? But I mean, there's it, some it, funny. That what gets me is if, you know, and you can get caught up, like you said, you better be in a comfortable chair. You can get caught up pretty easy. And there's some funny, funny, funny stuff out there. Yeah, there really is. <laughs> It's hilarious. <laughs> I haven't done a humor one yet. That's a good idea. Yeah. It's just fun to, it's a new creative way and smartphones for all your trips, adventures, whatever you're filming and photographing, it, it's another way to capture it and tell it to yep. people so easily. It's yeah. worth it. You know, there's always that trepidation about trying something new for a lot of people. And the reels was like, I, I knew they were out there and it was just something because, you know, we want to be relevant with our marketing and with our promotions and with our interactions and in social media. So I just tried it and it really was easy and fun. But each time I've done it, the first four or five times is like, oh, there's a different tool and it does make it better. So anyway, it's fun to do. It's it's worth experimenting. But it, it, yeah, it's a, it's a decision of the time commitment. But it again, it inspires us to do more video on these devices to help tell the stories. One thing I haven't found yet that I'd like it to be able to do is in your timeline when you're putting these, adding these videos, it would be really nice to be able to add a photo. But I can't seem to access that. It only will go to my video folders. And I know it's static, but even if it was for like two seconds, because if it shows, you know, if one of us was walking up toward a subject in the distance to photograph it and, and we were behind with the video showing what's happening and then to show the photo, right? It's just something like that. I'm sure it'll get there. So I wonder if you can, I'm sure you can import a photo into iMovie and yeah. then export the iMovie out and then sure that'd be a video and then you'd be able to do it. There you mm-hmm. go. There you go. Then that's yeah. only going to add another hour. Pro tip <laughs> with, within a pro tip. <laughs> All right. That's a good one. I like it. Well, it's fun stuff and it keeps evolving. And if the algorithm does lean to favor that, it, it's good to try it. I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but that's why we're trying it. Honestly, I personally love doing the videos and the storytelling of adventure as much as I do still photography. I might even lean that way now. I just It just feels more interactive. And there's so many more layers to the presentation with the moving content, with the selection of music. It's so powerful. The music you can choose to set the mood mm-hmm. for what you're showing. Yeah, and everybody has those favorite songs, right, that just do it for you, and you know it's going to be the same for a lot of other people out there. Huh. Yeah, we, we could have some fun with some of those, too. There's some of those, <laughs> those music ones that are kind of meant for, like, funny stuff, and we could – there's definitely – yeah, you got, me, you got me thinking now. <laughs> All right. All right. Jason, you're going to need to get a Tesla because then <laughs> yeah, you can make the reels when you're driving to work because <clears throat> the oh, car will drive go, for though. you. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to do something like that. Use better use of my time for that. That's yeah. the only way I could see. I mean, God, oh, man, it's so crazy. Exactly. I was just thinking the same thing. And Mark, you're right. But it's just like the time commitment to, to manage all this stuff just to try to keep a page going is just getting crazy. Yeah. And the unfortunate <laughs> thing is, you know, once you do your next post, that reel is kind of buried. Until people go dig through your page, right? So it's there, but it's a narrow window of time that it gets attention. 
So something, and I don't know about this either, but food for thought. Um, I've seen more and more people on Instagram who are trying to grow their pages, post that, um, and I've about saving a photo. So you know, on the right, there's that little. Oh, it's a hard to describe icon on the very right. It looks below like a ribbon. Image. Yeah, oh, thank yeah. you. Like a mm -hmm. ribbon. So that is, I've heard a few or seen a few people write that's like a super like. I mean, come on, there's so many layers to this. It's a flag, is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Okay, you're right. It's so a vertical that you can flag. always you can always go back to it. In, no, I'm just saying that's what it's called. You can go back to it. Like if you go to your, I'm sorry, I'm going there right now because this does matter. And it's and it's relevant because I use it quite a bit. Um, so if you want to save some, it's saved actually is what it what it stands for. If you go to your sorry, just so I get everybody up on the upper right hand, you've got the drop down menu for your settings, archive, insights. You'll see that little flag icon or whatever it is, and it says saved. If you click on that, it'll anything that you've flagged with that. You'll all those posts or reels or whatever you flagged, you can go and you can go and see them very quickly. So, like, if there's a post that has some really good information about something or you come across something that's, you know, like uh, you want to buy something potentially, uh, a new uh, um, whatever it is, a new camera comes out or whatever, you can you can flag that post and you can go back to it quickly later on if you don't want to mess with it right now. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I use it for when those very friendly and courteous photographers put the location <laughs> of something yeah. that looks really good that I didn't know about. Oh, absolutely. Then I save it because it's like, all right, down the road, if I'm in that area, there's this information. So, yeah. <laughs> But I've seen people showing it as a super like. So you may want to, if that's true, you may want to encourage your friends to do that. So since I operate three or four pages, I'll do that when I put a post up. I'll hit the other three pages and save it because it gives it theoretically more traction. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, and I mean, there's yeah. so many layers to this stuff. As we're, you know, talking to Sean James <clears throat> about YouTube, there's, uh, you know, there's so much to learn to gain traction. Consistency seems to be the number one rule on these platforms and, and playing a regular game with them interacting regularly but once you dig below that there are all these other levels that can be done to help improve your growth and for photographers everybody loves well it's just human nature right more followers more likes and especially if somebody's trying to generate revenue do print sales or whatever it might be there's motivation that way so just having the knowledge and then making the choice of the time and obviously be cognizant of how much time one spends in front of this stuff too. So, yeah. Need more glasses. <laughs> You're going to have to get a pair for your, your vehicle, your edit station, your, your tent. No, it doesn't <laughs> happen in the tent. <laughs> the tent is, is social media free, but what happens on those on trips like that is all the collecting of the images and videos. All that fun stuff. And that's where, oh man, it just keeps digging deeper, guys. That's where the new phones, uh, just the light, the perception of light is just leaps from I, well, I had the iPhone 8 Plus until a week ago. I held off. Um, and my friend Bill that I do, my good, good buddy that I do a lot of these, if 
if not the vast majority of these Algonquin trips with had the 11 last summer on these trips. And there was an image where we had the lake at dusk, sun had set, so blue, but nice sky. It, the tent that he was in was lit up, and then the lake and the trees looked like a nice scene to help tell part of the story. So I like take a picture, and of course he's right beside me. We did it. To, he might have did it first, and I joined to take the picture too. And on the iPhone 8 Plus, it was like forget about it. It was all pixelated. It's like there's a. It's nighttime on his on the 11. It was. It's like send me that man. <laughs> and I I used it on on the Adventure Algonquin feed because it was so cool to see the depth. It was sharp. The tent was detailed, illuminated. You could see detail in the in the post-sunset sky, the water. I couldn't get any of that on the 8. So as these keep evolving, it's something. Mm. I mean, they're becoming, well, that's a whole other subject. We can get on, on to the Elon Musk. If you haven't listened to Elon Musk with Joe Rogan, it's an interesting podcast. It's one worth visiting. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah. These extensions, these electronic extensions of us become more and more relevant in that in that aspect of interaction globally. I'll stop there. All right. <laughs> Shoot. Who knows? By the iPhone 20, we may not even need – we won't even uh, – R5s will be irrelevant, obviously, by then. But you know what I mean? It's Cameras like that we use every day may be irrelevant. Seriously. It yeah. may happen. We talked about it with Michelle. I mean, joked about it because of the new Nikons coming out and a big year for Canon with the R5. And who knows where this is going? What's happened in the past five years, not even decade, for, for camera capabilities. But the smartphones, I mean, it's something I kind of, when I hear about the new generation, there's a part of me that's excited. And there's a part of me that kind of hunches and texts my head because it's like, is this the end? Is this <laughs> the end of the telephotos? Because for wildlife photographers, that's the one thing that the smartphones can't do is telephoto at high quality. Yeah. Well, this iPhone 12 at two and a half times, it's got the three lenses on it at two and a half times magnification shooting at 4K. Holy, that's good. <laughs> but holy. thankfully, it's, it's still two and a half times. That's not enough. You know, we need yeah. 10 times, 15 times magnification for a lot of the subjects that we're with. At so, 4K. At 4K. Yeah. Right. So, but yeah, when is that? When does that happen? And, and will we be if in five years? If you knew that, you'd yeah. be Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I think I read this this past week. He's now the wealthiest person on planet Earth. Um, have to admire his ambition, without a doubt, and his vision for that. But... Yeah, yeah, I don't Listening know. Listening to him, it kind of scares you, though. That's your point. I mean, well, there are aspects to it that, it, yeah, if it, it's for inquiring curious minds where technology's going, it's you know why not listen to somebody with this perspective to to see where their heads at, and it, yeah. it was very interesting for that reason, and it's and like it's, wow. and scary. I'll, I'll keep saying it, and a little scary. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. To me, it was a little scary. It's like, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not ready for the uh, the brain implant. If that's no. what you're referring. Yeah, to. that's yeah. what I'm referring to. No, yeah. I'm not ready for the internet to be live in my head and transmitting to people around. It's, yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> Why do you feel that way, Jason? Why did you just say that to me? I know I'm you a, didn't say it out loud, but I heard I'm you. a grandpa. Oh, no, I'm, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> I know well, that was one of the first questions. Like, how do you filter that? Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like well, there's been many Hollywood movies made about that, right? 
<laughs> yes, sure, sir. That been. becomes life. Yeah, I don't want to be part of that. <laughs> no, no, no it's, it's it's already overwhelming, but it's also exciting with what we can do compared to what we could do ten or twenty years ago. It's like this is this is nuts. Yeah, just well, really. I was talking to somebody the other day that I mean, our perspective and somebody that's twenty years twenty years old is their perspective are totally different, right? These like people they, have never had, you know, twenty year old person never dealt with a black and white TV, never dealt with uh, whatever, whatever it was, they've always had this little thing in their hands. So it's not, I don't know. It's, it's the just, norm. it's the norm. Yeah. Yep. It's always been that way for sure. Well, yeah. But even in their lifetime, it's happened to all of us, right? You think about not to go down too many rabbit holes on this podcast, but what their grandparents say to us, us when we were young, right? Well, it wasn't like that when we were kids. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, <laughs> the young people in their 20s now that have this technology, by the time they're 40 and 50, what's it going to be like for them? They're going right. to be like, wow, it's nothing like that. I, you know, who knows? Watching keeps... Jeremiah Johnson is going to be like sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in about 20 years. Uh, right. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's fun. I like I like the interaction. I like the technology, but you're right. I mean, it's important that we don't just become 100% involved with technology and computer day in day out. But I right? think it's fun for you because it's the storytelling, right? It has very little like to that. do with the actual equipment. The equipment makes it easy. Yes. But it's it gives you a better chance to share your story. And I think that just is it's powerful. It's human nature. You always want to tell your story, right? From, from the, the pictographs and petroglyphs all the way to now. I mean, everybody's been telling a story. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's powerful. You're right. You're a poet, brother. You're a poet. <laughs> I love that. That was great. No, seriously. hundred percent. That, that was that was that that timeline, that visual timeline. People just sit down and think about that for a moment. You're right. <laughs> I mean, we've always been storytellers, right? And this this just makes it super easy. It's just super easy and so dramatic. And you can yeah. share it with more people than ever. And yeah. if it, yeah, I know yeah. I consume a ton of people's stories, and I like it. Yeah. Well, that's and people can make money at it. I mean, Instagram doesn't monetize, right, from anything I've heard, but uh, TikTok or YouTube, those that get viral. Yeah, YouTubers, TikTokers, those are the folks that are, these so are all these run young ads on t I've never been on TikTok. Do they run ads on TikTok? Is that why they make money? I don't know how exactly they make money, but they've got to. I'm sure they get agreements with, I've seen some that get agreements with like Walmart and, you know, big big companies and stuff but so um, it's that model i think it is ad based but i hear about tiktok millionaires all the time so it's got yeah. it's going on i just wasn't sure how how it worked yeah i don't know enough about it i just i just get funny stuff sent to me by mr harlan cooper and i just that's <laughs> all you know i try not to go down that vortex because it's a time suck too i got sucked into it through that and it's it's one of those where you can watch a couple videos and you think you've only watched a couple videos and you've lost an hour or two. And you're just like, holy moly. 
So yeah, you got to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I don't know anything about TikTok other than what my son sends me for giggles at this point, yeah. anyway. But yeah, yeah, it's it's. You know what's funny way. though? Just a side note. So I was trying to talk my daughter Michaela into getting on there. So I wanted to send her some funny videos, right? It's like you got it, and she's been on there before, but she's smart enough that she won't go on there because mm. she knows the time suck it is. So my 21-year-old daughter is teaching me (laughs) (laughs) it's probably not a really good place to spend your time, Dad. And if you (laughs) want to send me these videos, you can. You can save them and send them to me. And it's like, uh, which makes it super easy, which also, you know, from a content standpoint, is something that you got to be wary of too, right? If it's videos that you don't want to be floating out there for anybody and their dog, then you probably shouldn't be putting it on reels and TikToks. But if you don't care, you know, then whatever. But yeah, no, it was just interesting to me that she, <laughs> she was telling me no, and I was like, well, why? You're, you know, it was kind of making me mad. And then she told me that, and I was like, oh, so you're being the adult here, and I'm being the, the kid. I get it. Okay, fine. <laughs> so that's that's another time drain for the reels videos is if you do want to watermark it, and there are components that I do, then. It's the time to put it through another app, right? Got to take a step back, put it through. I put it through iWatermark app and put the watermark on it so it's there for the reel. And I know it can go anywhere, but at least people will know where it's from. Like if whoever one of us took it, it would show that and it can be traced back. And I don't believe, and I could stand to be corrected on this, that that can't be altered so the, that the watermark has to stay wherever it goes as well. So I think that's important to to keep that. I mean, obviously, there's some clips from an airplane or something that aren't that that coveted that we need to watermark. And from my perspective, but you know, the wildlife components I do. Sure, but, it, but that takes more time. It's another step back and another three minutes of editing <laughs> per clip. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's another subject too about editing. We're 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 at. Why are we for time? Do you, we want to do more? No, I think uh, uh, I think we've hit. We're at an hour forty. We're only yeah. like halfway through what we were going to do today. Yeah, we haven't, and we were worried about having enough content. <laughs> Adobe Camera Raw. We'll wait for another day. Some workflow. We have more listener questions. Keep them coming in though. And on YouTube, when you're on YouTube and subscribing. Thank you. Like I said, we're focusing more and more content that way. Make sh- We appreciate the comments that come in there. And with these algorithms, for those of you that we appreciate supporting our podcast, the more you watch of each show, the better traction it gets for us. And if you let the ads play, that's helpful as well. If time permits in your busy lives and schedule, that's appreciated. And any thumbs up and reviews also help us to get traction and continue to support our efforts here. On that note, just a quick promotion out there. As we talked about before, Michael Morrow worked so hard on creating the Wild and Exposed store on our website at wildandexposed.com. It's great merchandise. We've tested it. We've ordered it in. We wear it. We love it. And if you are a fan of the show or would like to support us, that's another way that we greatly appreciate You can also find our work on Instagram, on Facebook, 
And anything else, guys? No, Michael's, I think you could. Michael's taking a picture. <laughs> I think you covered it. Nailed it. All right, everybody. Well, we appreciate you following along, your interactions. Until next time, you've been listening to Wild and Exposed Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We got a windows down, driving on a 405, sing along to the radio. Mm-mm. We're gonna make it someday, nothing's gonna get in our way. We will be the biggest band in time.